0: Hello and welcome to episode 5 of NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. I'm Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And bringing you this week our first in a, uh, I don't know if possibly a reoccurring series of non-horror films starring Paul Nashy. Um, we don't know if we, after this experience I don't know that we'll return. <laughs> How often we'll return to this off-the-beaten horror track for Nashy movies,
1: I don't know. I just hope we'll have happier experiences, I think.
0: Yeah, well, and the thing is, you have no excuse. I had seen this film before and knew that it's um, not the best in the world. Nevertheless, let's give you the title. Uh, th- th- this week, uh, or this month, I should say, we'll be checking out the film uh, Crimson, which is how you can find it. Uh, that's the title you can find it under uh, on Region 1 DVD. Uh, still pretty cheap. I think about 10 bucks on Amazon, if, or, if not cheaper from other buyers. Or, I'm sorry, from other sellers. Uh. <laughs> and uh, the... Um, uh, it's it's known under uh, a number of different titles, which we'll get to, but uh, "Man with the Severed Head" is, uh, I think, the funniest.
1: It was probably. I would have to think that was designed to appeal to the trying to pull in the nashi horror crowd. I would think it's not technically a wrong title, you know, but it does give the impression that it's not an inaccurate title. So, well, it definitely a severed, severed head. Yeah, definitely it's it's a severed head. A severed yeah. head does show up in the film. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And but uh, yeah, but I think that maybe in this case it does sell it as a little bit more of a horror film than it is.
0: Yeah, it's definitely not a horror film. It does have, uh, as we'll get into, it has some horrific elements, yeah. some horror, some some horror tropes and ideas that I think that that crop up. But uh, before we get into that, uh, once again, if you have if you'd like to contact us, we do have an email address for the for the cast. It's just uh, for the cast. It's just Nash, nashycast at gmail uh, Feel free to drop us a line. Let us know what you think, one way or the other. Not necessarily about the films, although that is always welcome, but, uh, you know, to curse us for our incompetence and sloppiness.
1: (laughs) Or to ask us why we we reviewed this film. uh.
0: Yeah, yeah, uh, this this is, I'm going to stay right up front that uh, this is definitely one for nashy completists. Uh, I'm sure that uh, we'll be able to, we'll surely find a way to make the podcast that we, uh, as we talk about the film, more interesting than um, it might ought to be. Uh, definitely a film for Nastya Completus. People wanting to see uh, one of his performances outside of a certain area. Uh, he right. did he did a number of crime films. Yeah, this is probably not going to be listed as one of his best. He himself had very little very little to say about it, and and uh, nothing positive, mainly because of something that we'll touch on later on as we go through the film. He did not have a hand in writing or right. directing or anything. He was just a hired gun actor on this film. And uh, I guess really with that, uh, unless you've got anything, oh, oh, I wanted to mention when you hear this in full in full flower, will be a very a very new thing. It's a series of CDs that are being put out by uh, Screen Archives Entertainment. Uh, that's a that's done by Film Score Monthly magazine. And uh, what it is is it's a series of score CDs, soundtrack CDs of Paul Naschy films. Uh, they've done, they're doing the first one. It's a very limited thing. Uh, the first one they're putting out is for uh, Howl of the Devil, or as they're listing it, Howling of the Devil, and they're limiting the CD sound the CD soundtrack to only 500 units. It's uh, definitely available in North America. I'm sure it's probably available. Uh, you can really only order it online, as far as I can tell. I don't think these are things are these are the kind of things going to show up in stores. I'm not going to at Walmart. I don't think. <laughs> yeah, no, this is yeah not a not a blue light special at Kmart either. This is. Uh, the, the, fir, the first release and what supposedly is going to be an entire oh, series
1: yeah. I'm hoping they're gonna do the horror rides from the tomb soundtrack that
0: would nice. be really nice I'd, I'd love to see a lot of the scores from his uh, 70s horror films yeah. come out Same here. Uh, like I say uh, only 500 uh, copies of this are going to be made at list for 1995 I'm probably gonna order one myself I hate to say this but I still haven't seen how the devil it's one of the few, as I admitted this past weekend to someone else. It's one of the few of what I would call his uh, kind of core films that I've yet to see. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I'd, yeah, I find it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember it was being very interesting. I look forward to seeing it again soon because it's a it's a very interesting idea. And uh, yeah, I think it's uh, definitely one that's more probably one of his more significant of his, I guess, his eighties work.
0: I can't I can't wait to see it. I think we probably ought to try to slot it into yeah. um, our schedule I as soon I as will. as soon as possible. But anyway, just wanted to make sure that anybody who's interested is aware of the Screen Archives Entertainment release of the score of Howling of the Devil. Uh, The score's author was Fernando Garcia Marcillo, and uh, boy, I hope I got that. Pronunciation right, but uh, I, I did listen to the samples that they provided on there, and just the titles of the samples are enough to make you want to listen to them in the first place. Uh, Fu Manchu, Howling of the Devil, Living Dead, Phantom of the Opera. I mean, mm-hmm. those are the titles mm-hmm. of some of the tracks, and it's yeah. just you know the Wolfman, Frankenstein, Rasputin, Leatherface. <laughs>
1: Now, like I said, I haven't seen the film in a long time. I don't quite remember Leatherface, but I, I, it's, I won't dispute it. It's, na- it's
0: the name it's of a, one of the tracks yeah, on the I CD. Man. I, mean, yeah. uh, I, I can't. I can't wait to. I can't wait to hear it. I'm. I'm probably going to have to like pause this right now and go ahead and order the damn thing. <laughs> I'll wait. <laughs> At any rate, uh, let's, go this, this. Uh, let's go ahead and get this. Let's go ahead and leap into this. All right, what we have here tonight, friends and neighbors, boys and girls from 1976 is. The film Crimson, or The Man with the Severed Head, and it has many different names. The original Spanish title, translated into English, a direct translation of the Spanish title, is, and I'm not making this up, The Rats Do Not Sleep at Night, which, (laughs) I mean, it being a Eurocrime film, this kind of fits, Uh, The Rats Do Not Sleep at Night, Crimson, or Crimson the Color of Blood.
1: Which you really don't see a whole lot of in this film.
0: <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, it's it's not a very to bloody on. film. It's, you
1: will find that it's an it's a, it's a, it's a almost bloodless film, really, for the most part.
0: There's um Well, there's a couple of spots. But yeah, yeah you're right. Mm-hmm. Overall, it's fairly bloodless. Uh, very interesting cast in mm-hmm. this film, including at least one recurring player from a previous film that we've discussed mm-hmm. that Paul Nash has been that. in. Yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's hard to hard to miss her. Yes. The film starts with a, a heist in progress. Paul Nashy is playing a character named Sirnet,
1: or is there? Is he's listed in the credits? Paul Nash.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, okay. It's like yeah. As if they couldn't, Let's you know, get that out. Had, of it's water. like we had
1: to anglicize his name even more. You
0: know, yeah, yeah, Paul they Nash. they they did. Uh, <laughs> don't, don't know why in the in the credits he's not listed as Paul Nashy. He is listed first as mm-hmm. the star, and he's listed as Paul Nash, not Nashi, in mm-hmm. just N A S H, which is kind of bizarre. But at any rate. Film starts with uh, a jewel heist in proce- in progress. It's in the middle of the night, and it it appears that Paul Nashi is their safe cracker. Uh, he's going; everything's going well. Uh, the the safe is about to be cracked wide open when one of the other men uh, cannot restrain himself. Yeah, his his name is Carl. Cannot restrain himself and plucks a pearl, a rather expensive looking pearl necklace off of a display case, thereby setting off the alarm. Meaning that uh, they're going to have to get out of there right then, mm-hmm. without having crack, without having finished cracking the safe, and with basically nothing to show for this attempted robbery. Right. Now, it, it should be mentioned that the other the other members of the uh, troop aren't aware that this moron has done this. Right. That comes up later. They get away. Uh, they they run outside, get into the getaway vehicle, and we have what is some pretty good day for night stuff because obviously this yeah. thing is happening after hours. This right. is happening late at night. Yeah. Good, uh, pretty good day for night filter shots here. As they uh, they attempt to get away in their in their vehicle, they hit a police roadblock as they're trying to get out. As they're actually in the uh, kind of the suburbs, as they get head out of town.
1: Right, there's four of them now. Because This basically there's four this is of essentially them. Cernette's gang. Uh,
0: right, there's we... there's there's Cernette. Cernette mm-hmm. Carl the Moron, who set off the alarm.
1: Willie, who's kind of the second in command. I'm sorry, Henry. 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 When, Willie's in later yeah. on, another game. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Henry, Henry who's Henry. basically the
0: uh, second in command, who seems to be a pretty solid guy. And their driver, who's a bald, yeah, bald fellow by the name of Paul. So they run across a, a, a quickly put-up roadblock by the local gendarmes, and mm-hmm. I love the fact that uh, gendarmes was on the sign they put up. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's an official-looking sign. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's a real yeah, cop right, sign, right, but right. I just I, 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 I love the phrase gendarmes. is supposed to be taking place in France, by the way, people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it does look like it was filmed there. Nevertheless, uh, the gendarmes set up a roadblock. The car comes up to it, and we have a gunfight ensue there at the roadblock while they quickly try to turn around and get the heck out of there. And Cernet, poor old Nashy, mm-hmm. gets shot. And not just shot, he gets shot in the head.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Poor guy. <laughs> and he, what's funny is he kind of clutches... It's more like he it, grabs his... He yeah, gets, he's grabbing his neck. And I'm thinking, what the hell, he get shot in the damn neck? And then yeah, it's like, okay, yeah, exactly.
1: no, he, he got shot in the head. Well, All again, right. it's, it's, a, it's a very bloodless scene, you know. It almost yeah. looks like he's, you know, it almost looks like a bug flew in his ear or something. You know, he's just not very, you know, it's not a very uh uh.
0: Yeah, and, and, and if you watch the scene as many times as... I've watched it now, trying to <laughs> trying to get ready for for talking coherently about this film. I can't tell how he got shot, where he got shot, considering the position of the car <laughs> on the road when the bullets are. Fu- I don't get it. I It's mm. it's it's uh it's magic bullet time, people. Go. It's you know it's <laughs> it's uh, someone was on the grassy knoll. The gendarmes were on the grassy knoll, <laughs> no, for sure. I don't know the how the damn thing of they- it. <laughs> yeah, let's draw a diagram and figure out where the spittle came from. Sernet gets shot shot in the head. They zip away from there, firing the whole way, taking out a couple of cops. But they and they manage to lose the cops and find a back way to their safe house hideout, mm-hmm. uh, which is a uh, a pretty good sized little house out to, out in the country, or out in the uh, out in the mm-hmm. sticks, out in the countryside. They get Cernet they 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 get Cernette onto a couch inside the safe house. There, realize that this is definitely beyond what they can pull they can pull off as far as any <laughs> medical aid is concerned, and and mm-hmm. know that they're going to have to get hold of. A doctor, and uh, they're they're definitely they definitely know at least one underworld doctor that they can count on, a guy named Doc Reader. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, they give a, a call to a, a girl, Ingrid, who apparently is is somehow connected to the gang or is is, is, is well, she
0: appears to be Cernitz' girlfriend. Right,
1: right, yeah. Because when they tell her that he's been wounded, she seems pretty upset and immediately leaves to come to come join them.
0: And I will say this: when they call, uh, they call Ingrid. We get a look at her uh, her apartment or or, or condominium or whatever it is, and that lady has one groovy pad. Yeah, it is, I mean, it is sharp. nothing says mid seventies <laughs> more than the decor of that apartment. Um, them some groovy pads. Not that some of the clothing, especially the clothing worn by the various women in this in this film, doesn't. I mean, <laughs> it's just groovy. Away. It's de- it's dead seventies giveaway. Big yeah. time grooviness, and it. To me, it adds a neat little bit of flavor. It's one of the sure. th- it's one of the things yeah. I was actually able to enjoy in the film when I was kind of staring at the walls and going, "Why does this movie stink?"
1: Now, Hen- Henry also when when they get back to the uh, the hideout, Henry is is brooding on what could have possibly gone yeah. wrong. Again, he doesn't know what we know that uh, why why that that the alarm was set off by Carl taking the necklace. And by the way, I actually want to say something here for a minute about the actor that's playing Carl. Okay, um, you probably didn't notice. Him from being in in a previous Snashy film that we've already watched, and actually, it's it's perfect that you didn't notice him because yeah. that's basically the story of this poor guy's life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I recognized him from—he's actually our uh, our old pal uh, uh, Joel, the uh, opium smoking guide from uh, *Night of the Howling Beast*. Oh my god, really? Yes. Who who and and in that episode, I also mentioned that he was in uh, *Horror Express*, that he was the uh, yeah. the creatures yeah. first. Okay, so after you know after now he's three times turning up here, and I said, okay, I'm going to have to find out who this guy is. Way well, I can always recognize him. Is well, he
0: what's a, the actor's name? I can't even his remember. His name is Victor name. Israel. Victor and, Israel. Okay. Yeah. He plays he plays Carl with a giant freaking mustache. Yes, he does. Way.
1: Exactly. Well, he looks totally different than he did in Night of the Howling Beast. I always recognize him by wow. his odd eyes. He has some kind of, his, his eyes are, or I think uh, one eye is slightly uh yeah, no, I, I did notice
0: I did notice that. He's got he's got yeah. a couple of scenes later in the film where yeah. Uh, yeah, it becomes very obvious there's something off about one of his eyes. So
1: I looked him up on our old friendly IMDB, everybody's friendly IMDb, and to check and was not cool was not at all surprised to find out that he was in about 150 movies. And I geez. guarantee you he didn't have a start. He wasn't top-billed in any of them. Well, no, the, no. Not, with, the, the, not uh, with
0: not not with with the wandering eye, that's for sure. Yeah,
1: exactly. Uh, they describe him as exactly what I figured. He's he's a consummate character actor. But it did have some interesting things to say about him. It. it did say that he specialized in either weak-willed priests or uh, or henchmen, you know, thugs, uh, flunkies. And I figured that was the case. Just to do a quick rundown here that... Uh, Says he had a uh, memorable, uncredited part as a weary sergeant at a rundown Confederate fort who Lee Van Cleef talks to in The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly. Oh, my God. And uh, mentions that he was in a, a slew of horror movies. And I'll just run through these right quick because a lot of these I haven't. Some of these I've heard of and some of them they ha- I haven't. He was the creepy handyman in The House That Screamed, 1969. Okay. He was a slimy cemetery caretaker in Necrophagus, uh, otherwise known as Graveyard of Horror. Uh, he was a craven coachman in Murders in the Rue Morgue, which I've not seen. A 1971 version of Murders in the Rue Morgue. I'm not familiar with that. Okay. He mentions him being in Horror Express. Uh, he said he was a menacing innkeeper in the Witch's Mountain, which I've heard of but I've not seen. Uh, he was in Rico the Mean Machine, which we watched not too long ago.
0: He was. We have Rico the Mean Machine it's a hell of a movie, yeah. He
1: was a zombie priest in Hell of the Living Dead. And who who, who has seen <laughs> Hell of the Living <laughs> Dead that will ever forget that, that film?
0: Oh, my God. <laughs> well, wait a minute, wait a minute. He he didn't die until 2009.
1: Uh, well, I was going to point that out. Not only did Holy he and, crap. And one month before Paul Nashie. I thought that was very interesting. He died wow. one month before Paul Nashie. Wow. He, uh, and
0: he was yeah. working consistently. yeah. Like, yeah. You look at his IMDB page, you're right. He's working consistently all the way up through his death.
1: So anyway, if no one has ever done it before, we're gonna give it up for Victor Israel. Victor <laughs> Israel, give the man a hand.
0: That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean I I, I I I'm looking at his list of credits and they're just m they're a freaking mile long. Mm-hmm. And he was in uh, he did a lot of Spanish television as well mm-hmm. as films. Right. Wow. Yeah. From Hong Kong with Love. There's a title I mean that that that's that's got me right there. Yeah. yeah several several uh, westerns at various times during the 70s summertime killer
1: you know i was i've heard oh, of that have?
0: summertime killer man I, okay anyway
1: well i was going to say you know there's that there's that website that, that's called who's that guy have you ever heard about that yeah that yeah all, yeah you know, If, there's a, that if there's a spanish yeah who that guy about character with all the yeah, pictures of character guy. if there's a spanish version of that website he's probably on there
0: <laughs> the summertime killer he's in is that it's a christopher mitchum film Made in '72. Also, star Carl Malden and Olivia Hussey. Hey, I'm there. That's a film to seek out, right there. I've heard, I've heard about that. That's supposed to actually be a pretty interesting film. It's a motorcycle, motorcycle thing. At any rate, Victor Israel. Nice to, nice to know that. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did did, the digging on that. Okay, okay, I've got to find
1: out who this guy is. And anyway, and, and you know, yes, he plays Carl, and it's basically Carl's big screw up that sets the whole entire plot of this film in motion by stealing the, by setting off the alarm. That's pretty much what kicks in all the events that. That
0: happened. Yeah, and actually, he he's got a tasty scene or two in the uh, the last third of the film. He does. He does. Um, yeah, very interesting. Very interesting. Okay, cool. I I didn't recognize him from uh, from uh, Night of the Howling Beast. I really did not. So that's that's great.
1: He made okay. a career of being unrecognized. I think pretty much. Yeah.
0: Okay, so they they send Carl to go to get Doc Reader. I just uh, there were times when I just referred to uh, Carl as the idiot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he yeah. he busts in Doc Re- Doc Reader's place and. Uh, the doc is uh, passed out. It's obvious he's an alcoholic and he's passed out drunk. And he forces him awake and oh. and gets him gets his crap together. And
1: I have to say that that the uh, you know some a couple of the things that worked the best for me in this film for me anyway were were a couple of little odd comic bits. I actually did really laugh out loud when he throws tries to throw. He thinks he's going to wake up. You know, the doctor's passed out drunk and he grabs the vase. To throw oh. on him, and it turns out not to have any water, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at all. Yeah. The flowers uh, just come, which out not out. only is a funny scene, but also says a lot about the doctor, the neglect of the 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 fl- plants. I mean, it says something about him, but it, but uh, I thought it was actually a genuinely funny yeah. moment, yeah. a comic bit there. Where <laughs> yeah,
0: now as much as as much as I I want to rag this film, it's not that there aren't good elements right, in the movie. Right. Yeah, sure. It's just that there aren't nearly enough of them, and there are no. enough bad elements to make me want to strangle the, the guy who wrote and directed it. <laughs> but um, we'll 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 get to we'll get to mm. my my anger at him later (laughs) later on as we get to the mechanics of the plot right so um he gets the carl gets the doctor and heads on back as we said before henry's wondering just what the hell set the the alarm off because Mm. we weren't doing anything to the to the safe that we'd been doing any differently in the past few minutes right doc shows up takes a look at him and after examining Sernet basically tells them that i can't really help him uh he's gonna have to go to a hospital they say there's no way we're taking him to a hospital because Mm. then we all end up in jail We've got to find a way to get this bullet out of Sirnet's head. This is when Doc Reeder... The Doc remembers uh, a, co- a colleague, a buddy that he's known for years and years, who's been uh, kind of semi-retired and doing just research work. He is, uh, he's been working on advances in brain surgery, and he might be able to help out.
1: And, and, and remember what it is that... <laughs> I love the what it is that gets Doc Reader to remember this guy. It's it's a sweet sweet booze. <laughs> oh God! I can't... The, this is another comic element that I thought is actually well done because it's very it's it's very subtly or underplayed. Oh but yeah, the you're fact right. That there's two times in the film where in order to get a brainstorm, he has to have a, a drink and, and, it's, and yeah. I thought that was very amusing too and very nicely played. But uh, the you're guy right, actually has to have and it, you know just so give so so a so drink. He's, he's like I don't he's
0: like out. I don't know what to do. And they put a glass of booze in his hands and he takes a couple of sips and then he's go wait a minute. There's this old buddy of mine. <laughs> <laughs> wait a minute! Wait a minute! He's been doing brain plant, brain brain transplants. You know, transplants are, you know oh, this and, could
1: be. And you know, I suspect this method worked for the scriptwriter as well. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> you could be right.
0: I wouldn't put it past him. Uh, Doc remembers his old buddy. And uh, thinks it might be a good idea to uh, talk to him. And pretty soon the uh, the gang is forcing the issue and saying, "Yeah, that's definitely what we're going to do. Mm-hmm. You need to uh, let's get loaded up and and go out and find this guy. You say he lives out in the countryside in his own in, in his own house. That's where he does his work. Let you know. Let's go. The professor's house is a country estate. Uh, one of the things I love about a lot of Eurotrash uh, films from the '60s and '70s, especially the '70s and on a little bit into the '80s, are the or the fact that a lot of them were shot at these large old oh, yeah decades old country estates and they're just so gorgeous even yeah. when they're not in the best of shape often that can sometimes enhance the yeah, the sure. kind of the atmosphere of it, but they're they're out in the countryside they're isolated they're these beautiful places that you just don't see Mm -hmm. we're americans so i mean you just don't see this stuff where we are unless it's just something that was mcmansioned up out or over you know overnight by Mm -hmm. somebody who wanted a house that looked that way these places are really old and they just look really nice and even truly low budget efforts could still you know could still manage to be able to film in these locations and they just look really great and they add immeasurably to the look and feel of these movies, even a film that's not particularly great can have some really great mm-hmm. scenes mm-hmm. because of these these locations, these yeah. old country estates. I agree. And I towns. agree. The
1: Professor's House is, is, is nice. I mean, it's really impressive. Uh, it's, and and yeah, all the grounds around it, they really use it to a nice effect.
0: So, uh, well, I must say, for the first, first time we get a look at uh, Professor... Uh, he looks exactly like what I would expect a mad scientist to look like. I mean, this guy. Looked, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, they might have just as well have hung yeah. a sign over his head and had it follow him around just to make sure. You know, mad scientist. <laughs> and he's not nearly as mad as you might as you you no. know as you might see in some kind no, of straight he, horror he, he film. But he's that gleam as
1: the movie goes on. There, uh. he definitely
0: does. I mean, he sees an opportunity here, even though he's being forced. Yeah. sees an opportunity here that he can manage to. Wait a minute, this is. Oh,
1: yes. Oh, so, according to you, he made some uh, famous zombie. movies babies in his fair time as well.
0: <laughs> okay, well yeah, let's let's get that out of the way because whoa. Anybody who's ever met or seen pictures or video of uh, film director George Romero will know exactly what this character looks like because <laughs> He even has the same stinking glasses. I mean, those same square, square-cut, mm-hmm. thick glasses that yeah. George Romero wears. This guy looks like George George Romero. The way George Romero has looked for the past ten or fifteen years is the way this guy looks in this film. Right. right. So I had a hard time not occasionally <laughs> waiting for him to start smoking a cigarette and ordering, you know, dead guys to walk in certain ways.
1: <laughs> he, just he needed he, the ponytail.
0: I he needed yeah, that. he 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 looks. Yeah, he looks just like he he looks just like George Romero.
1: But, um, and did you ever get the character's name? Because I just keep calling the professor. If I just keep calling name, the I professor. There was it. it's never possible that um, his wife may call him by his name at some point, but if she did, I missed it. So I'm just going to call him the professor. Going on. And-
0: I can't remember the the IMDb page gives him gives the name as Professor Teets, T E E T S, which sounds just completely I I bogus. I think I would have remembered that. Yeah, I, I mean, if that they ever something. say that, they, yeah. Now here's I, the thing: I think they may say it at one point really or at least once. Yeah, they possibly do. But I don't know for sure. Yeah. They just refer to him as the professor yeah. for the, the majority of it, and strangely enough, they call a character the professor throughout the running time of a film, and I never once thought of Gilligan's Island. So, <laughs> yeah. says something about the the tone of the film in a way, I guess, that I wasn't you know wanting to make you know Ginger Mary Ann jokes. <laughs> so. The thing the thing about the professor that we learn quite quickly is that although he was a brilliant surgeon, uh, he has uh, unfortunately mangled his hands in a lab accident. And uh, they are basically uh, completely unusable. He wears gloves over them, and they look, uh, just from uh, what we can see, to be almost like arthritic crippled hands. I mean, he really mm-hmm. can't use them at all. Mm-hmm. Now he w- what he has done is he uh, he directs his wife to do what little experimental surgery right. on animals he's been doing in his research. They, they show up at the house. Uh, the doc uh, kind of gets in, gets in the door and explains the situation to him. And, of course, the professor is not really that thrilled about the idea, but they do kind of force the issue. The professor, he does say no at first. Right. But that's when you say, you know, he kind of gets that gleam in his eye. Well, the doctor
1: knows exactly which button to push. He goes, now, think about this. All the years you wanted to do this on a human being, just imagine, you know, just kind of throws that out there and lets it hang in the air. And, yeah, the old mad scientist gleams. starts the to, to sparkle behind those big glasses there. So, yeah. Of course, regardless of the gleam in his eye, uh, he really
0: is kind of resistant to taking his experiments to the next level and working on a human being, gets, it gets, kind, of, uh, gets kind of negative about it, and then the henchmen jump in, uh, especially Henry, who's kind of uh, the de facto leader, mm-hmm. now that Cernet's unconscious and really not doing anything, and basically says, no, 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 you're, you're going to have to do this. There's no way around it.
3: If I'm going to save this man's life, I'm going to have to perform a cerebral transplant. And to do that, I'll need a human brain with the same characteristics and blood groups as this man's. Are either of you willing to give up his life? I need the head of a man who's recently died. Have I made myself clear? I'll take care of that detail. But be careful, Professor. Be very careful of what you say and what you do. I'm not very keen on bad jokes, you see. I'm not joking and I'm not trying to deceive you. I am going to do all that's humanly possible. But I feel I must warn you that this sort of transplant can result in personality problems, sometimes resulting in dreadful consequences. If you don't operate, he'll die, so we really don't have any alternative. So I've got to take that risk.
0: Well, they start discussing it. The doc realizes he knows the perfect candidate
1: for this uh, After he takes another drink, he takes a drink and exactly. he's like, oh, yeah, I've got it right here in my notebook. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: right, he looks through his notebook. I freaking love it. <laughs> <laughs> he looks in his notebook goes, okay, the sadist. Mm-hmm. That's the name of this character. They don't give him no. any other freaking name. Right. He's a rival gang boss, another mm-hmm. criminal, mm-hmm. and he's just known as the sadist. That's all anybody in the film ever calls him, the mm-hmm. freaking sadist. Mm-hmm. This is the guy we need. You need to go get him. He's got the right blood type, and the uh, the guys are like, good. So
1: Henry sends uh, Carl Paul and, and Carl. Paul. And by the way, did you notice the weird where he walks in on... on, on... Carl and Paul and and, and Carl's basically asleep, uh, leaning. Basically asleep against Paul, and Paul has his his his.
0: Armor. Oh yeah, on the couch there. And yeah,
1: it was, yeah. it was just a, a weird. Is like I I didn't know if they were if there was a slight kind of of hint of, of trying to throw it out there that there, there might be that these guys might be gay or something. I don't, I don't. But it was just such know. a weird. It was. It's it's kind of funny. But I didn't know if it was purely for comic effect or if it's actually. There's another place uh, that we'll come to shortly where it throws out another little hint about Paul that that, that he might be gay, but... Well, the thing is, I mean,
0: you... I kind of thought something
1: similar myself.
0: I, th- I think they probably were only aiming for something comic. You're probably right. And the reason I'll give you is because that there is an, an gonna,
1: alternate version alternate of the scene, film. Which, yes, now that I... Yeah, the alternate cut scene there.
0: One of the things that... Um, the dvd of crimson the uh the Euroshot collection region mm-hmm. one dvd mm-hmm. has is it has a couple of extras on it which uh includes a, an alternate uh, opening and open a mm-hmm. different set of opening titles mm-hmm. as well as about 11 minutes of alternate footage which is basically the the nudie footage that right. shot simultaneously right. so that they get, they have an, an export version and a and a and mm-hmm. a and a, a version to keep in spain that has a scene shot with nudity and and the same scene shot without nudity. In those sequences, Paul really is heterosexual.
1: <laughs> oh sure, yeah. yeah. Very, it's a very clumsily filmed, yeah. but definitely explicit uh, nude scene between him and a woman. And a woman, yeah. And so yeah, after seeing that, uh, and uh, you know, after after I've gotten to see that footage, I mean, I, I've, I've come to. But I, I just wanted to see if you had noticed that same kind of yeah. odd little. Uh, that's
0: why. I, that. That's why I say I think it was probably done merely yeah. for comic yeah. effect, right? Right. But uh, yeah, it, it is kind of one of those weird little things. Where you're like, well, that's kind of funny. But yeah. What the hell? Right, yeah. Yeah. I mean, what the hell are they doing here? But anyway, so, uh, yeah,
1: he sends those guys off to to get the uh, this this sadist character uh, and tells him not to come back without his head and be sure and dispose of the body
0: oh as they head out to go and get the sadist and bring back his head they also realize that uh, the wife who's actually the the real hands of the situation as far as surgery Mm -hmm. is concerned Mm -hmm. she's not going to go along with this and she states it right outright so there's one other person in the house and that would be the professor and his wife's young daughter Mm -hmm. and so they just kidnap her and take them with her the idea being that they'll stash her with Ingrid at her groovy pad. Right, right. And that, that way they have leverage over the professor and his wife to make them do whatever they want them to do.
1: And the doctor is really not happy about them doing that, but he doesn't really have much say. And at this point, Henry's pretty much taken over. and
0: The, the wife has refused until then, but of course she, she, melt, she melts once they've kidnapped the daughter. And then we cut to uh, several nightclubs in Paris where we see bits and pieces of different stage acts, uh, various and sundry clubs, and then we, after seeing little bits and pieces of a couple of different mm-hmm. stage acts, we see a long piece of a stage act that is actually really damned impressive. It uh, is. It's I... a three-person act, one woman who's barely clothed, this very skinny little Gold bikini thing, Golden bikini, and two guys who are dressed up like, uh, uh, I don't know, are, really sexy Cossacks, yeah, yeah, I don't yeah, know. Kind of yeah, I and um, they do this sexy club show. It's it's it, it's really cool, actually, to watch this scene, but we watch it for several minutes I wasn't bored.
1: I wasn't either, but did you think it was actually from this film, or do you, do you it,
0: think I, it- that's just it. I don't know because yeah. it could very easily have been footage from anywhere that they just exactly. shot, that they just interjected yeah. into the film right. to, to kind of spice it up a bit. And it really is very interesting. Oh, and, it is. It's and, pretty and quite thrilling, and it's
1: a, it's a really yeah, d- definitely a interesting and exciting dance routine that they do. But yeah, I was just really curious to know because it could have easily been borrowed from another film, and it makes me wonder if that if that was. I would I would bet that it probably was. But
0: the thing is, it also kind of they even they even managed to destroy the 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 feeling that this is something. That they're watching watching there on a a nightclub Mm. stage when they have that that ridiculous edit where you know the woman disappears and it's one of those things where they just stop it's one of those it's one of those old movie tricks where you just stop the camera Mm. person steps out of frame and they start the camera again and the other characters then start to move again And, it, and it's one of those things like, well, you can't do that on a stage in front of an audience, people. <laughs> no. That's a movie-only kind of trick. So now you've yeah. destroyed the... Because it really did have me sucked in. This, yeah, is, this is neat. They were me watching too. this yeah. this club act. Mm-hmm. But then they do that, and I'm like, well, the fuck did you do that for? It's
1: such a bizarre little mo- thing to do and a bizarre yeah. idea. It's, it's, it,
0: it, it made no sense. It, it's yeah. it's But it is a neat little scene. Yeah, it it's is. just... I, it doesn't belong in this film. No. So... <laughs> These scenes uh, are are used to introduce us to the sadist who is watching this show, mm-hmm. and uh, after watching the show, he then goes to a uh, poker game that he that he's got set up, and uh, we're introduced to his winning personality. Yes, <laughs> and uh, of course the guy, yeah. as you would expect from someone who's known primarily, if
1: not only, as the sadist, he's an asshole. Yeah, very much so.
0: Are you surprised?
1: <laughs> and he's in, and we also see meet his second in command, who's Willie, who's who's the second in command yeah. of his gang of the sadist gang.
0: What I love is that uh, the sadist uh, sadist has a porn stash,
1: <laughs> not a mustache. This this, <laughs> this is full is a blown seventies porn stash.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, people may joke that Tom Selleck and you know the eighties <laughs> had the porn stash, but this guy's yeah. got the real
1: porn stash. There's this leather, is a, a leather pit. jacket to go with it. Oh you know, yeah, I
0: mean he's it. he's full bore seventies uh, club hopping and groovy dude. Yeah. <laughs> And he's a, he's a sadist. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but it's obvious he's a major scumbag. He he, he has apparently got a, a regular a regular girlfriend who everybody knows about named Barbara. Mm-hmm. But he's of course cheating on her with you know whatever woman he can get his hands on. Mm-hmm.
1: And uh, he tells Willie that he's going out to meet a woman. In fact, that night and not you know pretty yeah. much makes it clear to not let Barbara know. Right, uh, and he says mentions that she gets jealous, and when we later, what we later learn of Barbara, she is not a woman to make jealous. <laughs>
0: no, no, no. She, uh, we learn a lot about Barbara later on, and it's all
1: bad. Yeah,
0: in a in a fun kind of crime movie way. <laughs> right after this card game, and he threatens uh, the guy who was, he claims was cheating at the table with a knife. He cuts out to go see this other woman. On the way there, runs across this woman who sells flowers in the street, which who, who's apparently quite well known in the area, and yeah. she they they speak briefly. And then he goes on. It's really the only person he's not an asshole to the entire time. Yeah, ever. I know. It's like
1: everybody's nice to her, and she sort of, she sort of seems to function as the uh, the street flower girl slash informant. Uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, Here's where we see, of course, again, he's being shadowed by Carl and Paul. Uh, Carl in the van and Paul walking on the street. And Paul, after the sadist leaves the flower girl and continues on his way, then Paul comes up. Here was the other thing that I thought might be throwing it out there that he was, was possibly gay or that is because he brushes on past a flower going, She says, I've never known you to refuse a flower. Now it's just a little throwaway line. And again, I think I agree with you in context of what we later, what we've seen now with the cut scenes there. I don't believe that his character was supposed to be. So that probably was just a line that had nothing to do with that. But it did kind of ring, it did sort of stand up to me as like something else, another clue or something else they were throwing out there to actually mean something. But I
0: will say this. I mean, who's to say that maybe, uh, maybe the intention was to have this character be gay, because think about it for a second. He's the only bald character. And it's not that he's gone bald. Mm-hmm. He shaves his head right, right. Mm-hmm. and he's got a he's, he's got a very specific look yeah, he does. and it's different from every other person in the film mm-hmm. so I, I don't think it's too far off to think that they may have gone in that direction. They may Uh have been headed in the direction of of portraying him as a gay Mm -hmm.
1: character. Yeah. Or 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 uh, bisexual or whatever because there's certainly a lot of I mean, there's certainly sexual kink to spare among just several of these characters. It's kind of a thread throughout the the film is 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 is, uh, some definite kinky turns of some of the twists of some of the characters.
0: But uh, I mean, it the thing is, it doesn't really factor into the no, plot no, of the film. No, but no, it is—it no. is an interesting aside, yeah, yeah. just just to kind of wonder if that's what was going on, right. and, and when they were when they were concocting the story and writing it. Mm-hmm. The the sadist is headed to this meeting, and uh, outside of the place where he was supposed to meet this woman, who turns out to be Ingrid. Yes. by the way. She meets him outside and starts talking to them to him and saying that well she she says well I I I've, I've gotten tired of Sir, Sir Ned. I don't trust him anymore she 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 basically talks up the idea that she doesn't want to be with Sir Ned anymore for whatever reason and it may, and it's very clear that she used to date uh, in her younger days she used to be with the sadist
1: apparently he was her first you know suit, which you know what a great yeah. way to start your uh, start off your love life <laughs> yeah. with the sadist
0: oh lord oh you know i'm sure there are a lot of women who think they started <laughs> off their love life with the sadist, sadist yeah right and then if you know as the life goes on they learn they're different they're, they're, they're they they learn the truth they learn <laughs> that they really weren't he was such a nice guy now that i look back now
1: that i'm with another sadist <laughs>
0: yeah now that i'm with a real sadist Nevertheless, uh, she talks him into kind of going into this little alleyway slash garage for a little quickie, you know, a little quickie Mm -hmm. there. Uh, I have to admit, Ingrid wouldn't have to talk too hard to get me in the alleyway. I I agree. I I agree. So, so, uh, gets him in there and they start making out, getting a little naked. And, uh, then of course, Paul pops up and
1: shoots him. Mm -hmm. Pop, pop. Shoots the sadist in the back. And we have... And she and Ingrid gets a very satisfied... She enjoyed that. She gets a very satisfied grin on her face. And uh, Yeah,
0: I mean, one gets the feeling that she... I mean, she was faking it really well and has a, a lot... Of, she she seems to... You're right. She seems to really like the idea that the sadist is getting killed right in front of her. Mm-hmm. Um, Which brings up now a question that I've got that I was going to talk about later, but uh, we'll reference this as we go along. This being a crime film, mm-hmm. however poorly done overall... Mm-hmm. Do you think that... Uh, I think there there are three female characters in the movie, not counting the little girl. Right. They all, in a way, lend themselves toward the idea of the old classic film noir, film, femme fatale thing. Not, well, not really the doctor's wife, mm-hmm. although she does have a couple of questionable moments later on when mm-hmm. she's just wanting to kill Sernette. Right. But the two uh, women, Barbara and Ingrid, are very much in the, the kind of criminal I mean these are not passive women the off to the women. side yeah, right. they're, they're yeah. tough ladies who, who are fully engaged in a lot of the criminal activities oh, yeah, right, their exactly. men are a part of and um, more than a little devious I mean like we, like we just sh- talked about there's Ingrid right there making sure that this dude gets off. hey don't
4: you I don't like any
0: surprises don't ever do that again
4: didn't I tell you to meet me in the bar don't you remember yes but there were too many customers I prefer to wait outside where we can be alone isn't that better that depends. Now, what was origin that you had to see me tonight, Ingrid? Need your help. But you left me for Sarnet. I haven't forgotten. You realize he's my arch enemy and you've given him what was mine. But you didn't do a thing. I think in your own way you still loved me a little. After all, I was so young and you were the first man who... Who never forgives, never forgets. But now everything could be so different. I'd know how to make you happy. Just what you wanted me, Ingrid. Well, explain yourself. I hate sonnet. He disgusts me. I want to leave him. Everything he's done merits it. All I think about is you. I want to leave him. Tell me you want me to come back. I want to come back. To you. When you were young and fresh, then I really did go overboard for you. You know that. But now... I've changed, you know. I'm much more experienced. Come Come on.
0: So Paul and Carl stuff the now dead body of our beloved sadist <laughs> <laughs> into the car and are out of there now here's where we get
1: into some really dubious stuff oh man I mean, that, this guy's a great team Paul and Carl by the way <laughs> talk about some talk about some bumbling
0: oh man here's here's the thing yes bumble first of all they they drive him out into uh, the countryside. And they have, for some reason, stuffed him into a big wicker basket. Big wicker (laughs) wicker trunk, more like. Yeah. And they drag him into a graveyard where it's obvious that uh, their plan is to remove his head here and then dump Mm -hmm. his body into a hole and cover it up. Natural enough. Pretty smart. But neither one of them have the nuts or guts to cut his head off. (laughs) Oh, jeez. And it's like... Then they like, well don't think okay chased
1: off by dogs or something. they get
0: chased <laughs> they get chased away by dogs get back in the car with the freaking body and they're like okay in the chase they lost the knife the big knife they were gonna cut the head off with yeah okay what the fuck is this right
1: yeah, now they're really screwed so
0: now they they figure okay here's what we'll do we'll take him and we'll lay him on the railroad tracks and mm-hmm. a train will come by and cut the head off for us we don't have to fuck mm-hmm. with it. Mm-hmm. So they bumble up there and get mm-hmm. and as, as they get as they get to where they're going, a train goes by right there and they're like, Oh damn it, it we just like, missed the train.
1: And now we have to wait the rest We're of the We're gonna night have to
0: wait this. forever. <laughs> Nevertheless, this is how they go about mm-hmm. getting the head removed mm-hmm. and it's this whole like three or four or five minute long section of the film where I am counting the hairs on the back yeah. of my hand going, yeah. What the hell is this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh. This is where it almost really feels like it's going into full blown comedy, you know, because I just know. the interplay between these guys and they're bumbling <laughs> Just only wearing Keystone Cop realm. <laughs>
0: it's as if the tone of the film suddenly just flies completely batshit crazy out the window. Mm-hmm. It does not fit anywhere right. in the rest of the film. This does not tonally; it's not right. Nothing about it, it fits the rest of the movie. Mm-hmm. And I mean, the movie's already kind of a crazy mishmash in the first place. This only makes it worse. And the thing is, it's almost five minutes of screen time. Mm-hmm. And they didn't even. All they had to do was just—they kill the guy. You see him stuffing the body, and the next show up at the house with a fucking severed head, and you're done.
1: Yeah, yeah. All yeah, this I'm bumbling really sure around what in all graveyard, the graveyard it was, was for really, but
0: it's pointless. It's it's just it's a complete waste of time. It's uh, anyway. They get the head back to the house to the professor, <laughs> and it's time for surgery. Uh, now apparently, all that he really needs is the frontal lobe from this brain. And it occurs to me this is this is where even if you'd been hanging with the film up till now and going okay, willing suspension of disbelief, the frontal lobe is 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 a pretty important part of the brain. <laughs> okay, yeah, right. uh-huh. let's, let's just refer to it as I think possibly the most important part of the brain as far as your personality is concerned and who you are. Mm-hmm. And so the idea that that they're going, he's going to, however, graft part of a frontal lobe from another brain onto Cernett's brain and and ha- and have this be a good thing <laughs> yeah I, I, I have no idea plus I'm pretty sure you could remove a big chunk of a human brain and they not die so I'm still not sure why right. in the yeah. hell having a brain you know having party I mean like I say, logic is not what this film is built on.
1: And if you're going to do this kind of operation, is this really the kind of equipment you want to have? Let's talk about their labs. And, about okay, their labs yeah, and let's it. let's let's talk about. You that remember, remember, remember uh, last time we talked about all the time and care they put into the uh, the sets of *Vengeance of the Mummy*. Uh, that, yeah, yeah. The, the, However much the, the opposite amount of, was put into the uh, doctor's lab here.
0: You know what? Some of this equipment reminded me of, and it, and the and what kills me is the time period is right. It reminds me of uh the lab equipment in the science lab in my third and fourth grade classrooms (laughs) when i was in school i'm not
1: kidding it may be where it ended up i mean i can guarantee you that you know that this equipment was probably used in probably many many low budget films but uh although many films may have many low budget films might have turned it down as being as being too chintzy
0: it's pretty bad but they 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 do the surgery the the professor coaches his wife through the surgery Mm. And they uh, they get everything taken care of, and they they seem they seem pretty happy. Things seem to be stable after the surgery, and it's kind of waiting time. Mm-hmm. Now, Doc Doc Reeder helped uh, helped with the surgery. He was there as kind of an assistant. And uh, after the surgery, Doc, of course, I mean he's he's old, older alcoholic guy who feels beat down by the world, who's really kind of let kind of let his life slip away from him because of various things in his past. Here we have what I think is a really neat scene between uh, the doc and the professor.
3: What do you plan on doing? You can't carry on as you have been. Well, it's obvious I won't be staying here.
4: It's getting late. I must go. Besides, I'm washed up as a doctor. I'm just a poor drunkard
3: who's a disgrace to his profession, and it's all my fault. You can't hold yourself responsible for your wife's death. Her illness was incurable, but instead of continuing your life's work you threw in the sponge, I'm well aware of that. And now I use my knowledge to help men like that.
4: Unfortunately, I'm entirely in their hands. You're still a good
3: doctor. Why don't you let me help you? Tell me what I can do, and I'll do it. What more can I say?
4: You've already done far too much for me. Much too much.
0: Henry, true to his word, after the surgery is over, says no problem and sends... uh sends, uh sends Who does he send? Uh, oh, he, he, he sends uh, Carl to uh to go to ingrid to get uh to get the kid and bring her back says you know you've mm-hmm. done your part of it that's mm-hmm. fine mm-hmm. we're gonna get your daughter no problem now we cut to barbara
1: enter uh, barbara
0: is the sadist's girlfriend now we see her yet another blonde a lot of blondes in this film now yep. ingrid's yep. a blonde
1: so is barbara Anna's anna's blonde
0: yep. yep yep and oh by the way the the professor's wife is named Anna. Right, I, right. I forgot to mention her name. And she's a blonde, too. Very mm-hmm. short, very short-haired mm-hmm. uh, blonde. Actually, it looks uh, dyed. It may, have been, it may have even been a wig. I don't know. But mm-hmm. nevertheless, they're all three blondes. Mm-hmm. And uh, Barbara is worried about the, uh, the missing sadist. Mm-hmm. One might think that that would be good. Hey, the sadist isn't yeah. around. Let's yeah. have a party. <laughs> but she's a little upset. Doesn't mm-hmm. know where he is. He didn't come home last night.
1: Mm-hmm. But, uh... And by the way there happens to be a package that's been delivered to her now she and henry and there two and then two more of, a, of the sadist gang are all here at barbara's apartment henry doesn't seem to be too worried about it he's kind of needling her about the fact that the sadist is you know playing you know he loves, you but, he loves you but he's probably playing around and you know and getting her all pissed off
0: right right and so this gift wrap gift wrap package shows up they Noticed that in the newspaper that did I morning, say Henry, I meant
1: Willie. I uh, mean? It's Willie, Willie, it's, Willie, Willie. It's, uh, Sorry, folks, uh, yeah, I keep yeah, getting my yeah. guess. Yes. That's all right. Willie's the right. second in command of the Sadist uh, Group, and uh, that's the yeah. He's here with Barbara.
0: Well, they they've been reading the uh, the morning newspaper, which has very quickly gotten hands on the knowledge uh, information that there was a, a a decapitated body found on the railroad tracks. Two bumbling
1: idiots decapitated. <laughs> 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 <They got that. laughs>
0: oh, if only. Yeah. No, 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 no. No information is known about who, <laughs> right. The severed, bo- you know, the who the body who, is, who the body but, but, is. But below. Barbara's
1: yeah. already think. I mean, she's she's already making kind of a drawing that just because of the fact that Sadist is gone, she's already starting to worry
0: that this may that this mm-hmm. body may be him. So uh, they crack open Yon box. Yeah,
1: they'll present, it, open it up, and
0: <laughs> and inside, oh my, it's definitely the severed head minus the frontal lobe of course which no, of is, course yeah I'm surprised they, they didn't say that where's his frontal
1: lobe my god his frontal but, lobe is missing okay so this was Henry's idea by way, uh, yeah. uh, the way yeah uh, the Henry Cernet second in command is after they had gotten the body got the head you know got everything they needed Cernet's gonna be okay he decides I'm gonna have a little fun with his head and send it to the rival gang now this is this is a big screw up on Henry's part this is the second big screw up of the film Carl made the first one by setting out the alarm in the opening scene uh, Henry, who for the most part has been fairly level headed here this is this is not a real good idea. <laughs> this sets the second part of the uh, of our plot into motion here. Correct.
0: so now we're back uh, we, we see that paul is is out outside of the professor's house guarding the place uh, during the day there. Hot little chick rides up on a little motor sized bike, mm-hmm. bring, delivering the the newspaper and uh this is where Henry's kind of making eyes at her. Which mm-hmm. is another indicator. I mean, not Henry. I'm oh, sorry. Oh. It's Paul. It's Paul yeah, true, who's the. True. It's Paul who's uh, who's outside guarding. And this is another little indicator that I don't think Paul was indi- was, was supposed to necessarily be gay because he's really eyeing this mm-hmm. this little mm-hmm. girl.
2: Yeah. yeah.
0: Uh, her name's Natalie. And the the strange thing about that is that she says that she comes over and plays with the other, yeah. the, with with the daughter, with the the doctor's yeah. daughter. Mm-hmm. But she seems to be a little too old to be playing See, with I the doctor's daughter. I'm sitting here
1: thinking, how old is this girl supposed to be? Because yeah, she drives a little scooter, dresses like a seven year old girl, you know, and well, I seven-year-old dress, girls dress
0: anyway. <laughs> she dresses kind of well. It's 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 a, a, a mini skirt. Mm. She, she dressed. She looked to me like she's she's actually kind of a teenager.
1: Yeah, it's that's right. Yeah, true. She which is it's which like is one a those good... 70s European mini which are basically a tank top. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: my kind of deal anyway yeah. <laughs> she just when she says i come over and play with and i thought really you are do you, are you
1: supposed I mean, to be nine or because yeah. Sure yeah you sure don't look nine i mean yeah. you've got a
0: figure dear. right those legs are not being hidden there yeah um very very, very very odd but i mean it's one of those things you brush past thinking yeah. well that was that's, that's, that's kind of odd i mean okay yeah. all right but
1: paul basically i think he tells her that he's just a friend visiting the professor family and so right he, yeah
0: but uh, takes the newspaper from her, and this is where he learns that the the decapitated body has been found. Uh, goes in and gives them that information. At this point, we are 49 minutes into a 90-minute movie. Mm-hmm. 49 minutes. And this is finally when we get dialogue... <laughs> From Paul Nash. From Paul Nashy. That's how long the, he had to wait. No. Uh, yeah, The uh, supposed star of the film. The star of Nashy mm-hmm. cast here. The yeah, films of right. Paul Nashy. Wakes and, up yeah. from the, the surgery, and suddenly the star of the movie becomes a part of the film. I don't even think, he didn't even have dialogue in the first section No, he of the didn't. Film, no, did he? this is the first, I think, this During the, first the robbery? the we've heard him. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But, at any rate. The most so. he
1: might have said was, cheese it it's the cops. <laughs> 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 and, that's, uh, and that's it. Even that. But if you were in a Three Stooges short. Never
0: So, sernet wakes up, and uh, is kind of in a recover in a recovery bed there the doc to talk to him a little bit Ingrid is there to, to mm-hmm. talk to him they brought the the girl back and Ingrid's come and she's she's there and it's like oh darling uh, so glad to see you and he kind of embraces her he's 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 laid out there and he's got mm-hmm. his whole head is wrapped up uh, in this bandage of course obviously you know post post surgical yeah. With some wires leading off so that they can, I guess, you know,
1: <laughs> zap him whenever they need <laughs> that,
0: Or direct him to, oh, raise your finger. No. <laughs> Let's make him fart. Yes. No, they, <laughs> he's got wires com- coming out of the bandages on his head where they're obviously got him hooked up to some kind of electroencephalogram or something like that. Ingrid is they're embracing and he's mm. kissing her and then suddenly he kind of becomes violent and mm. kind of harms her it's kind of
1: starts to tighten his grip on her neck yeah yeah um so let's just go ahead and and say it right here is is, is now if, if you're listening to this part if you haven't pieced it together already which you probably did very early on this is what would you say a mashup of the Hands of Orlock and a European crime drama or something. Pretty that much, but this is um, this is at, sort of on, the,
0: on, one, on one level. I wanted to say that it's a combination of a European crime film done fairly poorly. Yeah, uh, with a mad scientist film, but more done accurately, <laughs> yeah, 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 done very, poorly. yeah, exactly, done poorly. But you, you're, you're, you're closer with the Hands mm. of Orlock reference. Mm. Yeah.
1: This is this is a more of a. I mean, in this case, it's it's his brain that is changed. You know, rather than having the hands grafted on, but I think even the professor, yes. they still get in a reference to uh, that. You know, the fact that the professor hasn't used it doesn't have use of his own hands. Uh, combined with that, I, I think that just the yeah, I think Hands of Warlock was just sort of generally the the thing where we're it do, it does seem, here for,
0: yeah, it does seem to be the jumping off point mm-hmm. for this kind of story, especially in the mad scientist vein. Mm-hmm. It's as you say, no, n- nothing about either. Part of this particular genre mashup really works. Right. But at least it's an interesting idea to kind of cross a crime film with mm-hmm. the hands of Orlock in a way.
1: And even though uh, you could say, well, okay, it's basically the brain of a criminal being transferred to the brain of another criminal, but I think right here I want to say now that Paul Nash's character is finally up and around, point out something that, uh, you know, kind of the, the, there's something about Surnett's character that we sort of, is referenced throughout the film leading up to this point, that obviously these people feel... Like, they owe him a great deal. Like, he's sort of been... Yes. You don't you, you don't get to really learn... We sort of learn through the other characters that for, you know, he may be a, a criminal, but apparently he seems like he's been a pretty good guy, at least to the people who are loyal to him, or at least the people he cares about. He seems like he's come through not only for his gang members, but also for the doctor. That's why. And they all seem to feel really indebted to him. And so there's a... It, here's where, at this point in the film, you've kind of met both gangs, and I think it's kind of obvious that... That the sadist and his gang are on a little bit another level altogether in terms of of, of, of harshness and cruelty, and obviously the sadist and Cernette are kind of like two different. Maybe the sadist commands loyalty through fear. Cernette has loyalty through you know what people feel they owe him. Uh, you know they owe, are indebted to them because you know it's, it's you it's, do get you do get
0: the impression from a good a good number of pieces of dialogue throughout the film that these people are with Cernette because he treats them well. Right. Uh, he's a, he appears to be a good guy. He's he, the reason they're going to such extreme lengths mm-hmm. that, the, and they stress over and over again. The reason they're going to such extreme lengths to mm-hmm. to uh, ke- keep him alive and not just leave him behind right, right. after this injury is that they have a lot of respect for him and he yeah. has done a lot for them.
1: And Henry, you know, even even and Henry, even though it's it's you know he, he says that you know he'll do whatever it takes, whatever he has to do to ensure that they keep net alive. At the same time, even he doesn't seem like just a total evil bastard you know i mean even no. he seems to have moments where he seems to be at least sympathetic or not real happy with what he's having to do it's it's one of the most interesting ideas in a film that was face it, doesn't have those interesting but the theme of the fact that surnette's gang gets in if get in just a little over their head because it's obvious that the sadist gang are, are they're they're a little bit on a different level of yeah. what they're willing to do you know so and from at this point in the film that really starts to become obvious and kind of makes the second half of the film kind of drives really what takes place in the second half of the film is is the difference between these two gangs.
0: It 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 is at this point where we realize that Cernett is not acting like himself anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's definitely developed some more violent tendencies, and that is that is really becoming very surprising to Henry and the rest of the gang, and especially to well, especially to Henry and Ingrid because they apparently knew him very well and are going and and are just not understanding what the hell is going on. Right. So now the film cuts to Willie as he tries to retrace the sadist steps from mm-hmm. the night before, figure out who in the hell could have grabbed him and who cut his head off and sent the damn thing to him. Right. So uh, we see him talking to several people. First, we see him talking to a, a black prostitute. And uh, she did not have any information, but she's like, mm-hmm. Hey, baby, why don't you come mm-hmm. up for a date with <laughs> me tonight? <laughs> now, here's something i got to tell you about that scene before he moves on to the other scenes. Right at the end of that scene, the editing is extremely...
1: Extraordinarily sloppy. Because she looks right at the camera for one thing.
0: Yeah, and in the left side of the frame you can see the clapper board
1: oh, come see, missed, into I, the frame of the that. movie. I missed that. I noticed her looking at the, right at the, directly at the camera, but I missed the clapper board. Wow. The
0: clapperboard, yeah, it needed they needed to edit a couple of seconds off the end of that scene because the clapperboard comes into view on the left side of the frame. Really? Clear as it. day. I
1: missed yeah. it totally. It's a wonder didn't catch my nuts in the uh, <laughs> 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 some very
0: sloppy editing there. But then he goes to the um, to the da- to the dancer in the 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 one yeah. piece suit, yeah. which she's just dancing there in the club, yeah. which is a really strange scene. Hey, but kind of made... talks
1: about it. it's in morning. You sort of get the impression that she's been doing. Yeah, she's that been doing all that all night. night, night, night long. Yeah,
0: which would, which means <laughs> my god, how much energy does this woman have? Is she on coke? What the hell? <laughs> so uh, talks to her, gets no information from her. Then goes out into the street and is kind of like, well, I don't know where to go next, and runs into the flower girl, mm-hmm. who says, Hey, I saw the sadist last night. Mm-hmm. He was walking along here, and at first he thinks, "Uh, that's not not new information. I knew that. But then she she actually manages to give him the information that uh, following along behind him was Mm, Paul. Paul. So, now one and one have met together, and they've Mm. collected into two in Willie's head, and he has a target. Mm -hmm. His target is Cernet's gang, which Paul is a part of. So he grabs his men. They grab some gun. They go to Cernette's, uh regular hideout, which is the first place they went after the robbery. Mm-hmm. No one's there, of course, but they find uh, blood on the couch. They find blood in the abandoned van that they, uh, or the abandoned car that they were in, that they were doing the robbery in. Right. And they know, okay, somebody got injured.
1: Mm. And if a thug gets injured, we know who he goes to see.
0: And that would be Doc Reader. Yep. They go grab Doc Reed. Actually, they go to Doc Reader's place. They grab him and they grab well, Ingrid. Yeah,
1: because by the time they're already there by the time the next thing we really see is Ingrid going to his apartment. She, and when she opens the door, she tries to she sees that you know that that uh, the Sadist gang is there. But they grab her before she can escape. And they've already been working over Doc Reader. Uh, yeah, like, he's hey.
0: he's pretty bludgeoned up, but he hasn't mm-hmm. talked. He hasn't said a damn thing. Right. Obviously, the reason he's keeping his mouth shut is because he feels a loyalty to Sir Ned and doesn't want to give him up. Right. But they tie down Ingrid to a bed and uh, strip her to the waist and start torturing her, smacking her around, and putting out cigarettes on her her skin, on her Mm -hmm. torso. And this causes the doc to break and and Mm -hmm. give up the information that he has. The next thing we see is them tossing the doc out of a car out in the countryside. Obviously, they just want to get rid of him. He's still alive. Mm -hmm. And the doc stumbles to the professor's house Mm -hmm. to try to warn them that The sadist gang knows that they're responsible for the sadist death and uh has has a nice another nice little speech there the actor is really quite good uh his name we should actually mention his name because he he really is quite good his name was carlos otero he played doc reader or doc Ritter, depending on how they pronounce it carlos Orito, i'm sorry not orito carlos otero and uh he had a pretty interesting career actually uh, he died just a few years later. He died three years later in 1979. Really? really? Yeah, in, uh, in Ibiza, apparently. Hmm. Um, born in 1916, so he was yeah. pretty old at the time. In a number of films, a very, very long list of credits. Started making movies in the 1940s. Of course. All Spanish films, all kinds of Spanish films. He seems to have done a little mm-hmm. bit of TV work, but mostly movies. Days of Vengeance, that's a, he's been in a couple of spaghetti westerns. He was in a film called The Killer War Gloves, which I've heard something about. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something, Another, called something
1: called The Wicked Caresses of Satan, which, uh, that's Yeah, The Wicked I'd, Caresses uh, of Satan. Saying, I say. One that of his like last films, <laughs>
0: one of his last films is some kind of... I can't, I'm not sure of the pronunciation of the title, but it's La Pobrecito Dracula. Draculina, which is another film by this director, by one Fort Ford, Fortuni. Hmm. Um, Do we
1: dare? <laughs> I don't know. It, uh, I may have to, we,
0: but you'll also notice that Victor Israel was also in that. Also uh, in that. Victor film. Israel. So it appears Q that applause. yeah, cue yeah, yeah, applause. He played a character named Vladimir in this particular film, but this was just the next year. So apparently, this particular director, the man who made Crimson, um, okay. did like did like Victor right. Israel. He did like Carlos Sotero.
1: Well, I think he is one of the. I think he is probably the best character, the most compelling character by far in the, in the oh, movie. Oh, definitely. Uh, very well played. Uh, you definitely get a sense of some tragedy and weight about him. You know, even coming kind of coming through this muck, you know, that he. Yeah, really and, well and
0: even through the English dubbing. Yes, uh, yeah, I, I don't think it's a bad English dub. It's better. Uh, the The neat thing about the Crimson DVD is you it it, it includes the English dub, but it's also got the French track with uh, english subtitles and either way either way the film's about the same i would okay. probably give the age to the subtitle just a little bit but uh even through the dub carlos Sotero's performance is quite good huh. he does a fine job yeah. and once again he does a good job in this scene where he essentially is just really upset with himself and asks them to forgive him for having um for having broken under the pressure and not being able to deal with them mm. torturing and hurting ingrid right so the the our hoods go into lockdown. Uh, Henry, you know, they, they orders that we need to you know lock the place up and start and start doing serious guarding of the outside because they're going to come after us and now. They know where we are.
3: Right. Well, what can we do to save Ingrid now? Nothing. Willie would love us to rush off looking for Ingrid, leaving the coast clear and Sir Ned all alone. So we'll stay put, and if Willie wants to come, let him. What are you plotting now? You aren't thinking of exposing us to danger too. You have no right. If we abandon Sir Ned, they'll kill him like a dog. Let alone what they do to us. In that case, let us go, Professor. You can't even think of leaving your patient. If they kill Cernette, they'll have destroyed everything you've worked for. Don't forget that. All right, I'll stay, but let my family get away from here. It's not too much to ask. I'm sorry, but you're nothing without your wife's hands.
0: And you're right. I mean, they're just pushing the dogs, oh, the buttons even, on the dog thing. Harry has learned
1: is like, you know, just when he starts, all you got to do is point out the put the uh, potential, the uh, potential of experiments, and the old the old uh, the old pipe organ in the head begins to play. <laughs> there, the you know?
0: mad scientist bubbles to the top. There, He's like, "Oh yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm, I'm got to be famous my, because my I invented this." Plans for world conquest. I mean, uh, I don't know. know, I don't know. I'm raising an army of the no, no, no. no that's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, okay, nothing like that. But nevertheless, uh, at this point, Surrette, Surnette is up and around, and you're right, he's looking out the window mm-hmm. and spots the uh, the uh, little teenage girl on the motorcy- motorized bike. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. his first, and he's like, oh, ah. Yeah. And his
1: feelings are not paternal.
0: <laughs> no, 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 he's definitely got uh, some sadistic leanings.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 but uh, the the uh, but here's the pro- good old professor to put him at ease. You know? Yeah, the doc
0: comes up to, t- to talk to him and uh, I love this this is where this is where Sernett's sitting in a chair holding his head he's like I'm not the same man he's, he's, <laughs> he's, he's all worked up and worried and concerned because he keeps having these, these emotions flood, flood through him that are really well sadistic yeah <laughs> the, the professor examines him puts his, puts his mind at ease and then goes out in the hallway and is talking to uh, is it Henry I think he's talking to Henry and he says uh, he's showing signs of psychic transference okay <laughs> you took someone else's frontal lobe and hot-glued it to his brain. Psychic transference is the least yeah. you could expect at this point. The fact yes, that right. demons have not arisen from this man's anus and stripped you <laughs> nude and beat you senseless is a positive at this point. You
1: know what would have worked for me even better is if Nashie, by this point, had grown like this 70s porn Born stash, stash you know, for the sake <laughs> it and, the, and
0: it would be complete. Yeah. Everything would have been full circle. The yeah. porn stash yeah. would have conquered all, and he could start. Te- he'd like find a whip and start beating them. I don't know.
1: So shall we play this juicy uh, clip here for for our listeners?
0: Oh let's my, see. yes, let's let's do it.
1: I can see you don't need
3: any help in getting up now. Every day you'll be feeling better. I see no reason why. Quite soon you shouldn't take a walk in the park if everything goes as well as it has up till now. What's
4: happening to me? Something has changed in me. Tell me what it is, Professor.
3: It's still too early for a diagnosis. The problems have yet to manifest themselves.
4: Last night I had... I had this terrible pain in my head.
3: And then I had a thought that frightened me. I'm not the same man. I know I'm not. Now, don't get excited, Jeanette. I'm doing everything I can to cure you. And what if you fail? That's a question I can't give a clear answer to. You're lying. You're lying, Professor. You
4: know very well what the matter is with me, but you won't tell me. I insist you tell me.
3: Very well. I made quite clear the dangers involved in operating on your brain, Sir Henry accepted the risks. He had no alternatives, otherwise you'd have died.
4: What have you done to my brain? Coming here and telling me I'm doing nicely? But in what way will I be changed, huh? Oh.
3: Carl, run and fetch my wife. Hurry.
4: I heard cries. What's going on?
3: Your husband wants to see you immediately. What's the matter? He's showing signs of psychic transference, and I predict a very rapid change in his personality, so we must implement the treatment we've been experimenting with. Start the preparations. There's no but time to wait. But we haven't had the results in from the last test. Yes, I know. But it's the only solution, and we must try it out. If we don't attempt it, all the work we've done up till now might as well be thrown right away into the river. No.
0: I can't let this slip. I'd never forgive myself. Okay, now at this point, the Sadist gang shows up at the house and kind of fan out in the woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're obviously there to wreak their revenge.
1: Right, it's Barbara, uh, Willie, and two henchmen. Two, two other henchmen. All right.
0: Carl gets, Henry sends Carl out to uh, relieve Paul, who's been out patrolling around the house.
1: Interesting the way these gangs have the exact same number of people in it, too, and each one has their parallel. I hadn't thought about that before you're right They there's the they same number of well. people and each one has their parallel person but uh but i'm, I'm trying to put too I'm you're this putting home. too I'm much putting, in i'm this this. more credit yeah. than it. you know but it just anyway. it is interesting
0: henry sends carl out to relieve paul carl finds paul hung from a tree mm-hmm. deader than hell and uh runs back in in a full panic and gets henry and they both come out to examine the body and realize okay obviously they find a note on the body that tells them this is this got to be the sadist gang so mm-hmm. they know they're around mm-hmm. barbara uses this distraction with the two of them out there doing something with uh, paul's body mm-hmm. to sneak into the house mm-hmm. and she sneaks straight to sernette's bedroom it's
1: amazing it's like she had yeah, freaking radar saying, i had a map of the place uh.
0: <laughs> he knew exactly where he was goes right to his room instead of shooting him immediately she makes the mistake of starting to talk to him and he takes the gun away from her right and they start wrestling around, and he explains what's gone on. Mm-hmm. I have part of the sadist brain in my head. Mm-hmm. Explains to her that he now has some of the the sadist's desires and urges, and well, essentially starts wrestling around with her, and what starts out as a rape turns into kind of a uh, spirited sex session between the two of them there's some really sloppy editing here yes sir. where they're obviously cutting out some stronger material but suddenly you see that she's completely naked mm-hmm. and he's naked and hovering over her and and she's beckoning him beckoning him mm-hmm. to come on back down as if hey let's do that all over again
1: and it kind of plays into what we heard already what we kind of figured already about barbara's character the reason the sadist you know continually came back to her was because she apparently had his same level of of weird kink and and
0: well if 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 he's a sadist then she appears to be a masochist so yeah it it Mm. looks like like their relationship was kind of built on uh a mutual sexual kink so yeah. yeah we cut away from that obviously very misogynistic scene they bring Paul down out of the tree and they bury him. Mm-hmm. I don't know why
1: they bother to bury him. See, that's something that told to. I thought, okay, why at this particular time when, you know, you've obviously seen evidence that the gang is, is there on your grounds, do you take the time to bury him? It conveniently yeah. allows Barbara to get her time with Cernette, uh, but it's really, yeah, it kind of doesn't make a whole lot of sense. At the
0: same time, these guys are obviously lurking around. Why the hell are you taking the time to make
1: Carl <laughs> bury this guy? Although it does, it does give them a chance, I guess, to play out a scene that we figured was coming to some place or another.
0: While Carl mm-hmm. is digging mm-hmm. the grave, the pearl necklace that he stole that started this whole freaking clusterfuck in the first place, falls right. out of his jacket pocket. Henry picks it up, realizes what it is and accuses him. Carl falls like a house of cards, mm-hmm. whining like a little bitch mm-hmm. and, exp- and it's saying, <laughs> <laughs> or really he's actually speaking coherent, coherent <laughs> words, not the gibberish that I just spewed for it. Nevertheless, you know, he, he, the only way he doesn't get shot and killed by Henry is that he says, Hey, there's only two of us left. Yeah. Right. You can't afford to kill me. Right. And, he has a point. So yeah. Now we see that after his little uh, tete-a-tete with Barbara, Cernet mm-hmm. has left the house. He's gotten dressed, left the house, and is wandering around out in the woods. Where? Who should he spot? But uh, the, the cute little possibly teenage, I'm assuming teenage <laughs> girl, yeah. riding around on the uh, motorized bike. You said her name? Emmy. Emmy. Okay. I never I never caught her mm-hmm. name, I gotta be honest. He chases her. He he kinda scares her. She mm-hmm. she she gets off the motorized bike and starts running through the woods. He chases her and attacks her. And it's very obvious this is about to be a very unpleasant sexual attack up against a tree mm-hmm. when Henry and Carl come across him, they hear what's going on, and he fires the machine gun in the air to to, yeah, to kinda yeah, get yeah. to kinda
1: get yeah. attention. And snap him out
0: of it. Go, hey, blah, blah. They go over and Sernet kind of breaks down and freaks out about how he's acting and mm-hmm. realizing that he's just not acting like himself that he that something's right. desperately wrong. This is when he says that uh he says I I'd, I'd have been better off dead. I'd have better been better yeah, off dead right. than having right. had this happen to me. So in a way you're starting to I mean I have to admit you feel a little bit you feel a little bit of sympathy for him because yeah. like you say he definitely engenders a lot of concern mm-hmm. and loyalty from his men yeah. and this what he's doing these horrible things that we're yeah. seeing him do were not the, uh, they're not him. They're not yeah. the way he normally is.
1: And this is kind of where uh, this is actually where Henry's and Carl's on loyalty pretty much starts to break down at this this point yeah. because this is where uh, Henry walks in on Professor and, and Anna are having a big disagreement about you know what to do with Sonet you know and this is kind of an, and this is where they sort of change in their sides now here because now the professor's in full blown I'm not gonna let this man die mode. And now Henry's starting to side with with he's kind of more side with Anna now. He sort of says, you know, he's about willing to to let Sernett die. Well, and, but
0: basically because at this point Sernett has has said that he doesn't think he now. yeah, yeah, Sernett <laughs> yeah, has really kind of yeah, he he yeah. he's basically stated I sh- I I I would have been better off dead yeah. rather than having this happen to me. Right. Uh, but I will say this, during this whole section mm-hmm. Henry and Carl are not acting like a couple of guys who are worried about Rival gang members lurking in the woods (laughs)
1: ready to kill them. (laughs) No, they're not because Henry actually tries another time to kill Carl because he thinks Carl's the one that's let Cernette out of the house. Yeah, uh, and if it wasn't for the fact that then they hear uh, Emmy scream when she's being attacked, he was about to 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 go ahead and and, and wax Carl because he's still pissed at him for running the whole robbery and also the fact that he thinks it's him that's that's let Cernett out of the yeah. You know, it's escape. it's
0: it's only them hearing um uh the, attacking the the teenage girl up against a tree that keeps mm. Henry from waxing Carl's <laughs> useless ass right there. Yeah. Okay, so you're as you say, Anna still thinks they should they should just kill cernet because mm-hmm. it's gone horribly wrong and right. what they put into his head has just made him a monster and you're right the professor disagrees he's definitely slipped into the mad scientist mode yeah. where he does yeah. not want to turn loose of the joy that he's got now that he's managed to experiment on a human being and make mm-hmm. that shit
1: work mm-hmm. and uh i think this is this is where uh henry um and carl basically decide that it's time to, to you know they're they're cutting their ties with cernet and, and decided it's time to get the hell out of dodge
0: well, yeah, he tells he tells the he tells the professor, "Look, the the newspaper girl, the girl who bought the newspaper earlier, she mm-hmm. saw us. That people now know we're here. Mm-hmm. We're leaving, mm-hmm. sirnette's Your problem. Do whatever you want to do with him."
1: Right. Carl even gives him a gun. By the way, he's, he's even well. No, it's not. That's, that's not, it's not, coming it's not up that shortly. Movie. Coming up shortly.
0: Henry and Carl get the hell out of Dodge. They, they load. The they load up into the minivan right. and uh, head out. But as they head down the driveway, this is when the sadist gang opens mm-hmm. up from the trees and machine gun the they machine gun the vehicle. Right. And uh, actually kill Carl. No, yeah, no, no. I'm they sorry. They, they kill Henry. Yeah, right, right. And uh, Carl gets away, runs off into the woods.
1: Yeah, he manages to shoot one of the, the henchmen there. He manages to gun the other, one of the two henchmen down. Yeah, and then he has to hit, run back to the house. He gets up on
0: the steps of the house, uh, kind of a running gun battle between himself. Mm-hmm. Kind of a dull running gun battle, <laughs> but a gun yeah. battle nevertheless between him and the uh, the henchmen. He actually manages to wax one more of them. Right, right. And then gets and then gets into the house and, and barricades himself inside the house real quick.
1: And that's where he tells the professor uh, that that's where he he uh, basically gives him one of his guns to to protect him and his family. Uh, and you know he basically says you're on your own, but here's a pistol.
0: Puts to, it on the ground and yeah. then and then goes upstairs to try, try right. to find a room to barricade himself into. Right. Uh, at this point, Cernette is uh, strapped down in the lab, mm-hmm. and Anna is there, kind of examining him, trying to trying to figure out what they could possibly do. Mm-hmm. At this point, unaware of the running gun battle that's gone on upstairs, mm-hmm.
1: Carl goes you up... I really couldn't hear it because of all the beeping of that the great p- equipment around. <laughs> 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 Beep. 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 <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah. I just, I, I, kept expecting there to be off in one corner of uh, Jacob's Ladder like we were watching a damn 30s <laughs> yeah. Universal Horror Film. But Carl tries to barricade himself inside a room upstairs, moves the, uh, moves the closet, and... Barbara's body falls out of the closet. Mm-hmm. Strangely, she's completely clothed in this yeah. edit, but yes. as we'll talk about, <laughs> she's she's nude in another version of the scene that was filmed but not used for this edit of the movie. Uh, this completely shocks him. He backs up against uh, a window, and through the window, one of the sadist henchmen shoots him. Guns so, down, Carl. Carl is now crooked. Back down in the lab, mm-hmm. Cernette attacks Anna. Mm-hmm. I, I have to say that... Uh, Anna's a pretty good looking lady. Yes, she and is. And we should bring up the fact that Anna is played by
1: Sylvia Solar.
0: Sylvia Solar, who was also in uh, the evil the evil Vandessa in mm-hmm. Night of the Howling Beast.
1: She's nice as either a brunette or a blonde.
0: I know. She was a beautiful brunette in uh, Night of the Howling Beast. Here, she is a beautiful blonde. And she is. It, it took me a while to recognize her and remember who she was. Because she looks so different with oh, a different color her, hair, yeah,
1: completely different.
0: Because yeah. she had the long. I'm, now, here's the thing, I'm betting that the, the the long black hair in Night in Night of the Howling Beast was a wig. I would
1: imagine,
0: and that this hair may be closer to her actual hair, but this could be a wig as well mm-hmm. because
1: it's such an unnaturally like I blonde. Said, I, I, she color. was a blonde in, like I said, the horrible. There it is, Cannibal t- Terror. Oh, 19, Cannibal Terror 1981, in 1981, which is absolutely awful. But she's in that, and she's a blonde in that.
0: Huh, huh. I kind of want to see that film. I, I I don't expect it to be good, but I would like to see just to see how oh, she looks well, in
1: it. I mean, hey, we're Cannibal Completist, you know. I mean, like <laughs> we are? We're Cannibal completists. I thought we were. Well, I, maybe, you you may be a Cannibal. Maybe I Okay, uh, yeah. I'm sorry I dragged you into that name. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Given half a chance. I'm probably a Cannibal Completist too, although it's definitely not the genre I... It's,
1: we're long-term <laughs> Cannibal Completist. It will take me many years to get around <laughs> to seeing all the films.
0: You're probably right. Right. it 'll take me a very long time before I work my way through the entire genre, oh boy yes, yes. <laughs> and you see i 'll be honest, uh, Sylvia Solar was also in eyeball and i reached, I watched that just a couple months ago, and that 's a great film. But I wasn't really looking for her in the film, mm-hmm. even though I know she's in it. And I, I couldn't i couldn't yeah. tell you what color hair she had in that right. either, or how big her role is. Uh, she, she's, she's definitely an actress I enjoy seeing pop up uh, mm-hmm. whenever yeah. whenever, yeah. whenever she pops up. As far as I know, according to the IMDb, she's still alive, too. I'm wondering. Hmm. She appears to have stopped working in uh, the late 80s. She has a credit in 92, but uh, she hasn't really apparently done, some, done much. I'm assuming she's retired. Hmm. Okay. But, back in the lab... Uh, Cernette has attacked Anna, and uh, they're wrestling around. And it's obvious that his dreadful, sadistic urges have come to the fore, and he starts attacking her. She's dressed in a little bizarre mm-hmm. '70s groovy miniskirt yeah. mm-hmm. number. There, strangely enough, when she runs up, she's trying to run away from him and goes up the uh, steps. She's wearing some kind of bizarre green shoes or green socks that you can mm-hmm. kind of see. <laughs> but then, when he when she's unconscious and he's lifting her up and putting her on that gurney. She's not wearing any kind of shoes whatsoever. Hmm. And uh, nice it was really catch. odd I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that, what what made it stand out is the, the 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 green shoes. And this is a minor point, people, don't get me wrong. Believe mm-hmm. me, I'm looking in the I'm looking to the edges of the screen here trying to find something that doesn't bore the shit out of me. <laughs> but they're really neon green shoes or socks or whatever the hell they are. So they caught my eye. Yeah but then of course she's barefoot when he puts her on the gurney and she has really nice legs so yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, was, I, would be I was that, lo- right. I was looking there yeah, what can yeah. I say yeah. anyway he's he's molesting her and she's kind of kind of dazed she's kind of been stunned and she and she picks up an empty syringe and stabs him in the back with it which uh it's quite effective in getting someone to turn you loose. I think.
1: Yeah. Yeah. See, I didn't know if it was empty or if she actually injected him with something she planned to. Just because the way he keeps stumbling around even more, and, and after after that, that it. Well, it he, she like seems to st- it,
0: she seems to stab him in the upper back. So it almost seemed to me as if she had stabbed him. This this is just the impression I got is that mm-hmm. the needle actually went into his lung. Oh,
1: well, through, you know, through the be.
0: through the back because it was, it a, was long long, a long needle. It was a long needle. It was. Yeah. So that's I just can, the impression that sure, I got sure, because yeah. he starts to kind of. Kind of wheeze, and he can't he can't get the damn thing out of his right, back, right. and that's just the impression no, I no, got. That,
1: that makes sense. That could happen because
0: it looked like it, it looked it. like an empty syringe. It didn't look like had anything in it, so that's just the impression okay. I got. I think that's what they may have been thinking when they shot the scene.
1: Okay, um, and then he yeah, then he basically rams his head <laughs> into a through the door through the glass uh, uh, after he staggers away from her.
0: Which is which cuts his cuts his face up a little, mm-hmm. which is mm-hmm. uh, which which makes his head a little bloody, and with that bandage, now we got the bloody bandaged head going on. Uh-huh. Just remember. Oh, but that then, then pr- the the professor
1: comes downstairs. Yeah, and uh, we had a quick scene that can only be called an uh, an exposition scene where we see what's I guess obviously in the nearby town. There are three men talking. One of them is apparently the mayor of the town. And, the, and one of them is the father of Emmy, the newspaper girl that uh, uh, that Sernet attacked, and she since she got away, in this version of the film anyway, she apparently has gone to her father and, and, and talked about being attacked by Sernet, and he's gone to the mayor, and, to, and, and they're talking about, okay, something's going on at the professor's house, and so this just sort of sets up you know how the film ends as far as the authorities being called in and all that which we'll get to
0: so uh Cernette stumbles upstairs the professor goes downstairs and starts trying to comfort his wife who's mm-hmm. still laying there on the gurney Sernett goes upstairs and finds the handgun that um carl has left laying in the floor there
1: and we've seen the professor actually try and pick up the gun but his hands are hands too mangled his hands yeah. are useless, so he can't handle the gun so he has to leave it lying there
0: and uh he so sir Nett picks up the handgun stumbles outside and just as he starts to stumble outside we hear sirens mm-hmm. so it's obvious that cops are coming
2: mm-hmm.
0: goes outside and uh does what criminals do especially mm-hmm. sadistic ones i suppose yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and starts firing at the cops and the the cops gun him down gun him down it's a good death too i really yeah, like this yeah, is a this yeah. is a good death it is because he he takes a couple of, he t- takes a couple of shots he I think he shoots one of the cops and then he takes a couple of bullets and stumbles down the driveway a little bit and then falls over the barbed wire fence and is mm-hmm. just kind of laying across the barbed wire fence. And it looks quite painful. It does, yeah. It really looks good. It's a really good death. Mm-hmm. And that's the end of the film. Roll credits.
1: Yeah, basically the professor comes out and, and uh, stands over his body for a minute as the police are coming in, and then the professor just walks away, walks back, uh, no, Log, no, while, doubt, yeah. no while, doubt planning on continuing uh, his, his de- nefarious experiments on further Human subjects.
0: I'm sure after he explains to the gendarmes just how badly he's been forced into this horrible, horrible, mad scientist thing. But look how cool it was. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but then, yeah, then over the over the closing credits, groovy music plays, mm-hmm. which uh, I will have to admit, uh, there wasn't a lot of of music in this film, and most of it wasn't memorable, but there is one piece of music, which is this groovy music that plays over the opening credits and the end, yeah. Yeah. which is actually pretty cool music, which I really I like. like. Uh, I, like, I'd like to, I, I wouldn't mind having this as uh, music play around in different mixes because it's kind of neat stuff. Mm-hmm. but uh I, w- I will admit that that is a really good death but the we we neglected to mention the really lame death oh, yes. of doc ritter earlier yeah. in the film when he came in and, and apologized and said forgive me for uh having given the giving the look given the location of surnet and his gang out it's really a lame typically movie melodramatic death mm-hmm. where he's sitting there and he appears to just be he's, beaten up and he's and talking
1: and, lucidly he doesn't appear anywhere near a death and
0: Finishes his statement and then just kind of tilts his head to the side and is dead. It's just it's an incredibly lame movie yeah, ending. Yeah. But uh, but Nashi gets a good the character
1: death. deserved a better ending too because it is, one, yeah. it is one of the one of the few good uh, really interesting characters in the film. It's
0: almost one of those things that you want to just you want to blame on the director because the yeah. the the, the performance mm-hmm. was so good. Yeah, that death was pretty lame. But Nashi's death is really good. It is okay. So now we've talked about the film. We've gone through it point by point. And uh, I think we can both agree that it's not a particularly good movie. No,
1: no, it's it's not.
0: But there are good things in it. Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about a few of the good things. We've talked about some of them as we go along. First of all, really enjoyed seeing Sylvia Solar yeah. after I realized who she was. Mm-hmm. Uh, Carlos Otero, who played Doc Ritter, is very really, good. Really. Nashi is okay. He's not really given a lot to do. He's really not. Um... And, and, and really, I don't think he he I don't think he does anything particularly. Fantastic yeah. in the film, he's okay. Yeah. Uh, it's really not a role that anybody could have shined very no effectively. Because I, think,
1: in. I think it would have made maybe a little more sense if you know if you look the way the, the in the brief time that we get to know the Sadist character, he may be a bastard, but he's a fairly suave, cool bastard, basically. You know, yeah. whereas Nashi, who's supposed to have his brain, is basically just out of control, maniac. And I guess the idea is is that you know he's gotten he's gotten only the Sadist's most Animalistic impulses, but our most uh, you know horrible uh, urges. But the, I guess it I guess it would have made more sense if he had if Nashi had had been you know if the character had been a little his possession or his brain possession had maybe been sent into something a little more sinister as opposed yeah. to just a total raving maniac. But by the, considering that is you know almost fifty minutes into the film before he's even conscious, I mean obviously they have to move things along pretty pretty quickly, you know. But I, I, I didn't really see that there was a lot of it's 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 a pretty it's a pretty simplistically handled idea. The yeah. the idea is,
0: I like the idea of putting the mad scientist with the crime film, but it's it's it seems as if that's almost the last really positive thing you could say about it. Yeah. At first, when you start looking at it, you're thinking that maybe the idea was to do a kind of uh, dark modern Jekyll and Hyde thing, mm-hmm. but they really didn't they really didn't do that. No. Um, no. It's. You could see how that using some of the same ideas, they could have done a modern Jekyll and Hyde story, but... That's that's not what they seem to be been aimed at, and it just it's not what comes out in the wash either. It's right. it's it's just a muddle.
1: Right, it's a and muddle. I, and I and I, I, I you know agree with you that I, I think Nashy probably does about the best he could with probably very little. To, I mean, he tries to kind of to throw he tries to throw some real emotion. He obviously brings some energy to to what he's trying to do or convey there. But yeah, uh, but yeah, it's just just not a very. Uh, it's, it's it was it was definitely a paycheck. <laughs> it's not, well, yeah, and as uh, we uh, said before, it was not his vision this time around. And yeah, uh,
0: this this is not he was he was a hired gun on this. This was not. Uh-huh his baby he did not he didn't he didn't write it he didn't direct it he didn't do anything Uh, out of of that interview and video videos where they where he talks about all of his films um, he says it's a film i did simply in order to earn money Mm -hmm. Uh, and he mentions here an alternate version of this film exists which was made behind my back a double of me was used and appeared to be that this version bordered on pornography it was the version that was seen in france now this is slightly different Normally when we pull out uh, the kind of alternate uh, alternate version of one of these films where there were nude scenes and then clothed mm-hmm. scenes shot it's pretty straightforward mm-hmm. but what he's talking about is almost pornographic scenes and yeah, I will admit if you're curious and you are a nasty completist and you if you buy the Euroshock uh, region 1 DVD of Crimson you will see what we're talking about because wow. there's 11 minutes of of alternate footage mm-hmm. and it's not just some of it is just simply nude footage alternate right. nude footage but some of it is softcore porn yeah,
1: yeah. Uh,
0: there's a scene that's that doesn't ha- that doesn't have any uh, uh, parallel in the finished film with uh, the character Paul and a, a girl that isn't even in right. the or film have at no all idea who, she is. who who they they, they have a, a little uh, sexual scene there and then of course there are the the various scenes in the movie where Uh, actresses, uh, were obviously getting naked and we were, and the film was editing around it. Like
1: where Ingrid is seducing the sadist.
0: Exactly. There's a, there's a lot more nudity there. The scene is longer and there's a lot more groping and, and Mm -hmm. grabbing. The, uh, the, the scene where Barbara and Sernette embrace and, Mm -hmm. and have sex there on the bed is a bit more spelled out. The editing is Mm -hmm. a lot less messy. And this longer edit of the film,
1: the torture scene of Ingrid, whereas in the in the version that we've talked about here, uh, all that we see them do is, is stab. That they're obviously putting out cigarettes on her skin.
0: But in the longer version, it's it's not just that. It's a, it's another softcore sex scene that involves uh, a bit of lesbian action between right. Barbara and Ingrid. Right. Then followed up by a rape by, uh, I believe it's Willie. Is Willie the henchman
1: that... No, no, it's one, just one of the... Just one, uh, one of the one other henchmen. henchmen? It's one of the other henchmen there that, that rapes uh, Ingrid. Yeah,
0: um, very uh, very much softcore soft sex scene there and... You can see that's obviously what uh, Nashi was talking about there. This, this, these alternate scenes are from a kind of much more erotic slash yeah. porno- pornographic version mm-hmm. of the film. Uh, although I will have to say this, <laughs> if they were to inject some of the nudity back into this film, it would have given it more of a pulse because oh, yeah. the movie because, is, yeah. is is pretty flat. It's, well, I'm
1: also I'm also surprised. I was also surprised uh, that there apparently isn't an alternate. Gorier version because there seems to me to be several instances where the opportunity for some some pretty uncomfortable violence uh, or or gore of some of some type uh, could have been injected inserted especially again the scene where they're putting the cigarettes out on her skin I, I was assuming that there was missing footage of that actually being shown apparently there isn't and also the I really was surprised that during the whole operation scene because. You know how much yeah. horror movies, you, you know uh, European horror movies, and, and and you know they tend to use those type of scenes as just a good excuse to, you know, you can show a brain being taken out or some incisions being made, just some kind of quick excuse for gore. And uh, I, yeah, apparently, there was none of that film. Yeah,
0: n- none of that at all. I mean, um, that if this, I think this, this if this had leaned more toward the horror film as the, the horror film mm-hmm. genre, we would have probably had that kind of thing. But it's mm-hmm. just, it's not there in this in this film. And who's to say? I mean, it may have, like I say, it may have. Juiced it up a little bit, or made it a bit more interesting to our eyes, only but marginally, though. yeah, yeah, <laughs> only a little marginally. bit. It's yeah. not a particularly good film, and one that um, there's a part of me that wants to apologize for for saying <laughs> let's watch this one
1: because I'd already seen the damn <laughs> and thing. I, not, I knew so, better. Like I, said, I was, I was, I was just excited about seeing something that uh, I'd not seen before in Nashi. But I think that again, like I said, you'd have to figure a lot of our listeners are are Nashi completists, and and you know, and so I think it was nice to throw something out here that really probably a lot of people who've seen a lot of Nashi films still have not seen this one and so it was And this was, one's and
0: easy this one's easy to see if you're curious. So right, right. if you if you if you're curious this one's easy enough to get your hands on. It's a it's a cheap disc. Uh it does have uh the alternate nude scenes and the almost soft, well the softcore porn sequences
1: yeah. as well as an extra. But I think the bottom line is you know, I, I can't imagine, in any, in, no matter what genre you try to put this into, science fiction, crime drama, I, I can't imagine recommending it in any of those, you know, to someone No. under any of those genre things. I think I could only say if you got to see everything with Paul Nashie, then, then that's about it. I can't imagine recommending it to anybody else. And... Uh,
0: well, a couple of points before we, uh, before we rock and roll this one out the door. I look. I, I thought long and hard about this. There's really only one sympathetic character in the entire movie, and that would be the professor's wife, Anna.
1: Yeah. 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 True.
0: The the doc starts out as a sympathetic character, but by the end of it, he's gotten so mm. juiced by the idea of getting his Glorious. theories, yeah, yeah. yeah, getting his theories proven and being able to actually do human experimentation. He's mm. he's off the rails. Yeah. Um. The 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 the, the doc Ritter is. Kind of someone you could admire, but he's fallen so far, he's, he's mm-hmm. full of self-loathing. Right, right.
1: No, I think you're right.
0: It's kind of a dark little film from, when you take it from that perspective. So. Yeah.
1: But, uh, well, you know what I think we need after a film like this? <sighs> Waldemar Daninsky. I think we need a drink. <laughs> I thought that's what you were going to say. <laughs> well, Rod, that, that more immediate. But, Rod, uh, get the scotch. Because yeah. I thought exactly what you were going <laughs>
0: to Rod, find the scotch bottle right now. And, and a beer we need a chaser. but uh yeah um i think you're right i think it's time to dive head headlong back into the werewolf movies mm-hmm. and uh, i think for the next one we should we should hit a big one we should hit a we should hit a loud one we should hit a groovy one yeah yeah so i think for our next film the next nashy cast we should do dr jekyll and the wolf man or is it dr jekyll and the werewolf Kind of depends. I think I've yeah. seen it both ways. Yeah. I'm very excited because uh, the Mondo Macabre released a disc of this, a PAL DVD of this, uh, a few years ago. That's now out of print, but it's the best way to see the movie. Mm-hmm. It is subtitled, and uh, I'm not sure if it's in Spanish. I'm not sure which language the print is in. I suspect okay. it's in Spanish, but uh, apparently it looks really good. We've gotten our hands on it, and yeah, Doctor Jekyll and the Wolf Man for the next next Nashi Cast. Nashi Cast number six should be. Should be a step up in film quality.
1: Yes, I would say so. And uh, remember to email us at nashicast at gmail and let us know what you think. Yes,
0: please uh, please tell us. In this case, I think that we probably took a bullet for most of you. <laughs> and I think you should thank us.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I'm not asking for money. I'm just asking for sympathy, yeah. and maybe an email saying "good job, man" or "who." Thank you for uh, the warning, something like that.
1: But in you know, for intrepid film adventurers like us, there are always those particular those 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 rattlesnake pits that you sometimes <laughs> fall into. So this is yes. one of them.
0: Yes, this is one of them. But um, we had a good time. We hope you sort did of. too. I hope
1: you enjoyed hearing our our misery, <laughs> <laughs> so
0: what? listening to us suffer. Ah, oh, the joy. This, this this wait, would that make them sadists? They're no, sadists they are. They yeah. are.
1: I bet they got porn stashes too. Yeah. <laughs>
0: If you hey, if you've got a porn stash, send us a send us photo. Pics. Send us a picture. We we will we will not post it on the internet. <laughs> we swear. Scout's honor. That's right. I was never a it scout. It'll not
1: turn up on Rod's blog.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, really, it'll never turn up on never turn up on the bloody pit of Rod. Uh, well, I guess uh, we should start actually talking about the fact that this is a bloody pit of rod production. It is,
1: it is, it is, it is, it is a. I keep forgetting that. Yeah, it's just uh-huh. go I'm to blood. Yeah, check out Rod's blog. It's awesome, bloody pit of rod. If you haven't already,
0: I guess that'll wrap it up. This was uh, the man with the severed head or crimson. Mm-hmm. This is the end of Nashy Cast number five. I'm Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And uh, be with us next time as we venture back into Vald- Valdemar Daninsky territory. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>